All right, we're back with um, The Way Podcast, looking at this series on young leadership. And we looked at First Timothy, where Paul warns Timothy of suffering shipwreck, that he could be like a ship who's at sea, and there's rocks, or like the Titanic, there's an iceberg underneath the surface of the water. And unknowingly, the ship hits this iceberg, hits this rock, and as a result, the ship goes under. And in the same way, Paul is warning Timothy that as a leader, there's things that are underneath the surface. There's things that aren't easily seen that are going to want to cause shipwreck in our life. And specifically as young leaders, it's so easy to get caught up in trying to be influential and trying um, to be popular or trying to build um, basically what ends up being a fan base of Christianity instead of humbly serving Jesus Christ in the way that he's called us to. And part of the reason this is so tough, I believe, is because there is a spirit of competition a lot of times in the church, and there is a spirit of competition and comparison of seeing what other people do, and that's what we should do. And so today, I want to dive a little bit into how can we avoid suffering shipwreck um, as any leader, but specifically as um, young leaders in the gospel. And uh, we talked a little bit about this template last time of Paul and Timothy's life and how first Paul saw that Timothy was consistent, that he was a man of character, that he was a man of the scriptures, that he was a man who was teachable and, and willing to, to pay the cost of what it really looked like to follow Christ. And then we saw that through this time of consistency that Timothy developed a calling and God had put a calling on his life that was evident to him that he had, he had known that God called him, Timothy did, but also it was something that Paul saw and also something the elders saw. And they laid hands on Timothy and prayed for him and, and stirred up the spiritual gift that God had given him and exhorted him um, to live out that calling. And then we saw that uh, Timothy entered into a season of co-laboring with Paul, that he was side by side with him and getting to see real ministry and um, not having to steward all the, all the load, but really being discipled, not just in the classroom through... Um, Bible study and teaching, but he was being discipled in the day-to-day -day life of Paul, but also discipled in day-to-day -day ministry um, with the Apostle Paul. And then there came a time where Paul was <clears throat> sending Timothy out and what I would call caretaking of areas of the ministry in different churches that Paul could not get to um, because he was only one man, right? We can't spread ourselves too thin that he would send Timothy and he would send these other disciples to take care of these churches and serve specific purposes. And so Timothy was doing ministry in kind of a need basis of where did God um, need more leaders within the church? And, and Timothy was fulfilling those roles. And then finally, um, what I would call the last section of this template was, was cultivating that Timothy got to a place where he was cultivating the call that God had given him. And really he was carrying on the legacy of the gospel by carrying on the ministry of Paul, that Paul had passed the torch or passed the baton to Timothy. Now he was carrying that on. And so when we look at young leaders, I think it's so crucial to have those different, um, those different stages in our in our life that we have a season of being consistent. We talked about that last time. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. We have a season where we've developed and understand our calling that God's um, put on our life, and then that we can have a season of co-laboring with somebody who's um, been in the ministry and can kind of show us the ropes on the jo on the job training stuff, and not just in the classroom. And then. Um, that we can caretake, that we can be responsible for leading and stewarding ministries that maybe we haven't necessarily started, but that we are supporting and, and helping others advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then finally, that we can come to a place where we are confident, we are certain 
and the calling that God has, has put on our lives. And so the very first thing that I think is so important is when we develop consistency, when we develop, develop calling, um, that they are according to the Bible. That it's so easy. I see it all the time in our culture and um, in young leaders specifically of we can try to be consistent. We can try to do good things and we can try to discover our calling in a way that's just honestly flat out secular. It's just the same as business. It's the same as sports. It's the same um, as the medical field or teaching um, in the schools, whatever it may be. We take the same approach that we would take for a secular job that we do the church. And we think that by um, different accolades and maybe even experience and just doing a lot of stuff that all of a sudden we are going to be prepared for the ministry. And something that's so important for anyone that, that's wanting to go into ministry, especially pastoral or teaching type ministry, is our number one role, our number one job as pastors is to declare the word of God. And you can debate that all you want. I know there's there's other things in ministry that are important. You know, we've got to make disciples. We've got to love people. We've got to shepherd people, all these different things. But if you look at the primary purpose, um, when you look at the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, what you see in these books where Paul is writing to a pastor, and these are inspired by God, the authority of the Holy Spirit, what he hits on over and over and over is the importance of sound doctrine, the importance of studying the scriptures, give yourself entirely to the scriptures and sound doctrine and teaching and preaching in season, out of season are the things that Paul encourages Timothy to do. And so our number one role as pastors is not to be busy, is not even to counsel. It, our number one role as pastors and men in ministry and if god calls um, you as a woman to ministry to to be a missionary or whatever that may look like or to lead other women to um, disciple our number one um, calling is to rightly divide the word of god and in first timothy he even says that we must rightly divide the word of god that we can be a worker who's not ashamed so what does that mean that if we are not rightly dividing the word of God, we can end up being a worker who is ashamed before God because what we did was not according to his will. And what he we did was off track and it wasn't what he called us to do. And I think about it like if um, somebody had hired you to build a awesome um, beach house in Florida and they paid you all this money to do it and you got the money, you know, say after you, you, you uh, completed the house and you saw them. So, Instead of going to Florida to build this awesome beach house, you went to Minnesota and you bought, uh, built an awesome lake house and you built this and you spent all this time, your whole life building this, this house. And then the person who paid you shows up in Florida and all of a sudden you realize all that effort, all that work that you poured into this house is for all intensive purposes worthless, that it wasn't what this person hired you to do. And in the same way, God has called us um, to a holy calling, to a high calling, according to his word. And it really isn't up to personal preference. And so if we want to lead the people of God into the will of God, by the word of God, we have to be experts. We have to be students of the Bible. And I don't mean experts of knowing um, all the cool seminary language. I'm talking about really knowing the heart of God because we have taken time to read the Bible, not only read the Bible, but study the Bible, not only read and study the Bible, but to pray, to worship, to spend time in the presence of God, that this is so important and it's our number one call. And if you look at throughout the scriptures, 
what was the number one call of the prophets? Well, was to declare the word of God, right? And that wasn't all written yet, but most of the time the prophets were um, maybe prophesying a future event or, or revealing the heart of God in the Old Testament, but they were mainly pointing people back to the law, back to the scriptures of what God had called them to do. And what was the main role um, of the kings was to lead the people of God um, according to the law of God. And they had priests and they had prophets who helped them do that. What was the main um, role of the priests? All over and over in the prophets, one thing the prophets challenged the priests with was they were not distinguishing between what is holy and what is unholy. They were not teaching people the law of God accurately. And so we look at over and over in the Bible, the main um, role of leaders was to declare and teach the word of God. Now, We've all been around people who are teachers who are rude and who are um, prideful. And the Bible tells us knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So I'm not saying just be a knowledge machine. But what I am saying is you cannot minimize the importance of knowing the truth and studying the Bible. And um, as young leaders, it can be so easy to do more ministry, spend time getting more ministry experience than we do actually studying the scriptures. And I think it's a tragedy that I talk to people who are in ministry, um, who have served in high ministry capacities, and, then, and they've never read through the, the scriptures. Um, and that's not to judge them. I don't feel like they're unspiritual, and I know I can still learn things from them. But to me, it just shows us where our priorities are. It's more, it's a higher priority for us to do, 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 than to know who God is. Because the number one, if we're going to lead people to God, we got to know who he is. And if we haven't even taken the time to read through the Bible, if we haven't even taken time, I think, to study through the scripture, not just read through it, but to study the Bible, one, our knowledge of God is going to be limited. It just is. And number two, um, we can't teach people what we don't know. If we haven't taken the time to learn it ourselves, we're going to lead people into that same type of um, spirituality or that same type of discipleship. And so it's so, so important to take the time, especially early on in ministry, of not being in a rush to do a bunch of things, but be um, disciplined and sincere in studying the scripture, being discipled, being taught the Bible um, from Genesis to Revelation, really being taught context and, and the content of scripture and um, from men who've, who've been doing it for a long time. And there's such a difference between what I would call um, like a devotional um, quick bit or a devotional grab bag of just kind of finding principles um, to teach from the Bible. And that's all fine. And those things can be true. But something that's so important is, I keep saying that's so important, but this is something that is, um, it's just vital for the next generation. And, and I believe for the church in, in America is we have to be able to present the word of God in power in a way that transforms people's lives. You can't do that. I can't do that. But what I can do in my own strength is come up with a helpful, useful kind of self-help message that has some biblical principles in it, and it can lead people to a better life. But guess what? That's not what God's called us to do. God has called us, um, using the illustration from Ezekiel, that he called Ezekiel to prophesy to dead bones. It's one thing to try to get bad people to be a little bit better or good people to be a little bit better people or great people to be leaders. To try to do that by our own experience and knowledge and kind of using the Bible, um, we can do that. But when you tell somebody you got to preach to a dead person, you can't, and you can do that. You can preach, but you can't summon up a result. You can't make that person live. And 
whenever I'm stepping up in the pulpit or even even doing some podcast like this, I don't want to present something that just the world or just anybody can kind of grab onto and just do in their own strength. That's not what God's called me to do. I don't believe that's what God's called ministers to do. I believe he's called us to rightly divide the word that the gospel of Jesus Christ um, could be known, that he would be elevated. So there's such a difference between getting down and really studying the Bible. What does this actually mean? Not just what pops into my head as I'm reading it, and I can make it sound good or sound exciting, but really what was God intending? What what was he penning in this time through the Holy, um, Holy Spirit that is a timeless truth that can change us today and really getting to the bottom of that? It takes time. I know for me, um, I like to use cross-references in, in teaching, but every cross-reference I use, I got to make sure that cross-reference is in, in context. Just because I'm reading a scripture and another scripture pops in my mind and it seems like it fits, well, does it actually fit? I got to go study that scripture and see what if it actually fits. And then I got to make sure I'm applying that scripture to my life. Am I living this before I teach it or am I just being a hypocrite? And so teaching and studying the Bible, it's a rigorous um, thing. And you can say what you want about him. And I know there's a lot of different opinions and he's a famous teacher now, but um, John MacArthur, um, I think has some great, great commentaries. And um, I'm not going to speak on all, all the, the doctor. I know he's a pretty hardcore Calvinist and um, Calvinism isn't in the Bible. I know some of the truths uh, maybe, but um, that's kind of besides the point, but I'm bringing him up for the purpose of saying, um, I heard a sermon of his where, you know, he locks himself away for basically two straight days um, to prepare for, for his teachings for the week and prepare for um, his sermon. And it's not because um, he doesn't have things to do. He could fill himself up with counseling. He could fill himself up with meeting people. He could fill himself up with doing events. But he knows his primary role is to lead people into the truth of God. And so he takes that seriously and it takes time. And if you listen to him preach, it's very thorough. Even if you disagree with him, he has a very well thought out reason why he believes what he believes. And that's the thing is there's essential things in the Bible that as as leaders, um, we can't miss on those. We have to stay true to the doctrines of the deity of Christ and, and the doctrine of justification and glorification and sanctification and the, the doctrine of sin and the depravity of man. There's certain things in the Bible that are essential and they're foundational to, to really be a Christian, to be a Christ follower. Now, there's things that aren't as essential that we don't need to be as dogmatic about, but we should still have a well thought out, a well studied reason why we believe what we believe and why we're teaching it and why we're doing it. But you can't do that unless you spend a lot of time studying. I'm telling you, you can't spend a lot of time studying if you're overburdened and overscheduled in ministry. You can't do it. And um, I think that's one of the biggest tr struggles in the church for pastors is some pastors want to study more and they want to dedicate themselves to the wor word, but there's such a... Um, emphasis and pressure and burden on them from their congregation to do a bunch of things that pastors in the Bible aren't necessarily called to do. And um, you look at Acts chapter 6, when deacons first um, came onto the scene, the reason they did was because there was some aspects of the church at that time, specifically with uh, these widows, that the widows weren't being taken care of in a way that would glorify Christ. And that was important. That needed to get done. But the apostles didn't say, hey, we got to stop teaching and we got to stop preaching. We got to stop discipling because we need to put together a widow's program. 
They didn't do that. They continued to teach and preach. And they said, we must continually devote ourselves to the word of God and to prayer. And we're going to appoint these deacons who can take care of the service and the ins and outs of the church. And you got guys like Stephen who were powerful deacons, man. He was doing signs and wonders. He was leading people to Christ. Um, Philip, that there was really powerful men that were that were deacons. And so I think deacons in, in a church can be um, leading life groups or leading a discipleship group or could be um, doing some counseling. Um, but again, they're doing those things that allow for um, the pastors to solely focus on dividing the word of God, raising up leaders, sharing the gospel, reaching the community, the things that I believe um, the Bible is very clear that God has called us to do as pastors. And the last thing I have to say about this as far as, and I want to read a scripture as far as um, studying the Bible, taking time to study, really know your Bible, is it's so easy um, to be a parrot. And what I mean by that is just even something I'm saying right now, of hearing it, liking it, repeating it, hearing it, liking it, repeating it, hearing it, liking it, repeating it. And pretty soon your doctrine and your theology as a pastor is just a lump sum, is an ollie cart of all the different pastors and preachers you've heard and some things you've come up with in your own head. But it is so important. I'm not, learning from people isn't bad, but as we learn something, do we really test it? That, um, and actually talks about the Bereans, right? Who heard what Paul said and they tested it according to the scripture of, I don't just repeat what I hear other teachers say, that I hear it, I test it, I study it, and if God bursts that revelation in me, yes, maybe I'll reuse that material. It's not like everything I have is, you know, original, that I've learned a ton from other people and books and sermons and um, teachers in my life. But the things that have been impactful and the things I'm able to then preach effectively, I'm not just repeating it because they said it, and I believe it's true. I'm teaching it because God has taught me that through them, through that teaching and through them taking it back to the scripture. And so don't be a parrot. Um, don't do that. And it's so important when you're discipling people to teach them how to study the Bible and how to receive revelation from God themselves. I'm not saying revelation is some like new age or um, charismatic thing. I'm, I'm just saying revelation where God bursts that truth inside your heart. It's not new because it's in the Bible, but he's um, producing that insight and that revealing of the mystery of God in your heart and in your mind. And we have to allow God to do that. That it's I just see it all the time where people are taught what to think instead of how to think, right? And um, many modern day seminaries tell you what to think. These are the doctrines that are true. And those doctrines may be true, but when push comes to shove and trials come and false teachers come and pressure comes to that pastor, if he doesn't know how to think, doesn't know how to really get that revelation from God, um, he's going under. And that's where shipwreck comes. Everything seems like it's good and bow you get hit with that that rock or that iceberg underneath the surface. And I think all this comes back to kind of what I started with is we need the power of God to do this. This isn't something that we can just do. And the way the power of God moves the most is through the scripture. And in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, he says, um, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So why are we going to the world for wisdom if God's made um, the wisdom of this world foolishness? I know there's some similarities between sports and the church. There's similarities between business and the church. But at the end of the day, the church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And we need to treat it that way and not just like uh, she is just like any other um, secular business or 
um, organization. He continues to say, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek God for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If I'm preaching the foolishness of God in the Bible, if I'm preaching the weakness of God in the Bible, it is better than the best possible philosophy or TED talk I could ever come up with is just the unadulterated word of God. He continues to say, um, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God doesn't want our ministry to be about us. He wants it to be about him. So I hope that we see this first stage, consistency. How can we avoid shipwreck that Paul talks about, um, warns Timothy about? How can we avoid that today? Number one, realize your call. If you are truly called to ministry, there's people who are called to, um, and let me rephrase that. If you're really called to being a pastor or a teacher specifically or a missionary, um, your number one primary purpose is to advance the gospel and make disciples by teaching the word of God. It just is. There's other ministries to serve others and like the deacon ministries to help widows and orphans. And um, that's a different type of ministry. And that's very needed. But right now talking about pastors, teachers, missionaries, those who God has called to lead the people of God, it's very important to root our lives in the scriptures. And number two is as we see this consistency comes from the word. And we've talked about that's important. But also just talking about our calling and really to just consider this if you're a young leader. As you look for a ministry job or you look for an opportunity to serve, just do what God's called you to do. And I know that sounds really simple, but don't just look for a job. I think it's so easy to just find a job. And is that job what you were called to do? Because I think in some area, yes, it's good to just serve. And sometimes God has us in a season of that. But God has a purpose for us. And if we aren't in that purpose, we are going to get burned out and we're going to be ineffective and we're eventually going to get frustrated and bitter. And so there's such a difference between functioning the way God's called us to function and just allow the opportunities to line up compared to just doing a job and finding a job because we feel like we should be in, in ministry. Because a lot of times the church is kind of run like a business. And when that's the case, it's easy to get sucked in that and pretty soon you're a professional Christian rather than a minister of the gospel. And again, that's where we get the purpose of deacons is there is a role for service and that's great. Um, but there's a difference when we are called to um, truly advance the kingdom of God and we've been called um, into the ministry like Paul said to Timothy. And so just to consider that, you know, if, if you could do anything outside of parameters of a job, um, what would that look like? And I believe if that's, I don't, and I'm not saying, we're going to be able to do everything we want. There's going to be areas of the ministry that are tough and, and aren't going to be exactly how we would want them. But at the end of the day, are we stepping into our God-given gifts and calling or are we ultimately just wanting a job and wanting a title, wanting a position? Because it'd be better to work at Walmart and not have a ministry position and do the ministry God's called you to do than it is to get a salary from a church. Um, and I think that can be very tempting when... Um, 
churches are paying good salaries and it's like, Hey, you know, I could do this. I can make money serving God. And, um, it's a really bad motive, um, for taking a job and serving Christ. It should never, ever be, um, you know, about the money. And so I just want to encourage you that if you are a young leader, number one, it's all about the word. Number two, it's all about the word because you got to find your calling from the Bible. The Bible talks about, um, the spiritual gifts. He talks about different ministry roles and functions um, that we can that we can take up or be called to. And is what you're doing in ministry biblical? You know, is, is it something that's founded in the Bible and, and is um, useful for the body of Christ, or is it something we've just created because um, we're trying to run a, a church like we do a business? And so, really finding our calling in the Word, seeing our calling confirmed. That um, it says that Paul saw this calling in. In Timothy, that he called out this gift in Timothy. The elders saw this gift in Timothy. So don't be a self-proclaimed um, teacher, preacher. That is this a gift that not only you feel like you've got from God, but leaders and authority in your life have, have also seen this and encouraged you and prayed for you um, to be released in this gift. Um, and as that happens, just wait for the right opportunity. Don't don't force it. Um, because if we do, if we do, we're going to find ourselves um, experiencing shipwreck. We're going to find ourselves leaving the purpose of the commandment, which is love from a pure heart, from sincere faith and a good conscience. And instead, we're going to be doing things for selfish ambition um, or just out of a burden because we feel like we have to. So um, thank you for listening to this episode of The Way Podcast, um, Suffering Shipwreck for Young Leaders or any leaders in ministry in general. Um, and the, the word for today is simple of just getting in the word and, and really knowing your Bible, studying your Bible, letting the, the word of God be anchored um, in your heart. And if you want to stay up to date with 5-2 Ministries, you can go to our website. We've got some exciting stuff going on with Valor Boxing and some opportunities if you'd like to partner with us financially that we could use um, in the arena of addiction and mental health support and um, our boxing outreach to the youth and really just to the community at large. So uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back this next time of um, talking about really the found. We've talked about the foundation of um, being healthy as a young leader, and that's being consistent, having good character, um, discipling others, being discipled, um, being in the word, being rooted in the word, realizing our calling is about proclaiming the gospel, teaching the Bible, um, putting ourselves in a position where people can hold us accountable and see those gifts and callings in our life. Uh, but as all that happens, the next step that I think is so important is our motivation. Why are we doing what we're doing? And I think, man, that can be a big pitfall. So we're going to talk about that a little bit of, um, you know, some things that happened in my life and some things I've seen happen to ministries where they got shipwrecked and they were moving well for a, a time. But then the motivation and the purpose got off of what the scripture really calls us to as pastors and we can justify it because it seems right. But the scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's end is death. And so um, thank you for listening to this. God bless you. And um, thank you for supporting The Way Podcast.